Hello and welcome to the Hoop Collective Podcast. We talk about the NBA. It's Thursday morning. God, I wish you guys could have heard this last 15 minutes. Uh, <laughs> fortunately, Jackson was not recording, and maybe unfortunately. Joining us from New York City, who had a birthday this week. I won't say how old because not even he knows. It's Tim Bonteps. Hello, guys. How are we doing? You can find out my age on on uh, Howdy Partners, the, the <laughs> show of our co-host on the show here. Today. Joining us from Dallas, Texas, host of Howdy Partners is Ben McMahon. Howdy Partners, man, Bon Temps, I appreciate the plug. He he was a one heck of a guest after the early stumble where he forgot his age by four years. How do you like a year, two, four years? He was off. Well, I wow. do know this. I do know to celebrate his birthday this week, Bon Temps went to. I hope I'm not revealing something that you don't want. To no, reveal. you're good. Bon Temps celebrated. My wife Peter told the Lugers. world anyway, so it's fine. Oh, did she? <laughs> bon Temps celebrated at Peter Luger's in Brooklyn. McMahon, have you ever been to Luger's? I have not. It sounds fancy. It's the kind of place that should be where my dinner is uh, pick, eventually oh, picked up someday. Oh, wow. Well, oh, we'll do man. that. We'll, hey, we'll do that when we're in town for the Nets in the finals. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those places, uh, McMahon, where it's cash only. Cash only. Ooh. It's cash only, and there's about five things on the menu, and they're all good. All right. And the um, here's what I remember. I hope we're not offending our uh, non-meat-eating listeners, but when they it's a steakhouse and they and that, that you know i've been to steakhouses all over mcmahon you're a texan um you eat you eat way, meat <laughs> i don't i don't eat red meat i know that's you why don't. i was that's, that's right. why i was laughing um, but you've been to steakhouses <laughs> i have been they they tilt when they get there they tilt the steak plate up at an angle so that the juice runs down to the bottom of the plate and you can dip it in the juice it's a it's quite a quite a technique by the way last week on this pod um, there was an accusation that Bontemps said a cuss word. Oh, that, um, that was unedited by Jackson. Front door, <laughs> and um, you know, I knew Jackson wouldn't miss it. I mean, Jackson's top-notch producer. I also just did, his- I also just didn't curse, so I don't really know where this. So came from. it it he actually didn't curse. He said the word "look," but the way he said it, it in some. But the funny thing is, like. In a forensic investigation about whether Bontemps had used a cuss word, um, we slowed the, the 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 play way down. I know a lot of folks listen to this at twice the speed, which that makes me anxious. I don't like listening to podcasts at twice speed. <laughs> I listen to some pods on three x speed, Brian. I can't take it. I seriously, it upsets me. I'm not even kidding you. We slowed it down to make sure that Bontemps didn't curse. And the funny thing is, when we slowed it down. McMahon sound exactly the same. <laughs> <laughs> the draws ever press. It, it was it was amazing. <laughs> uh, all right, we talk about the NBA. We're going to start off. Look, I want to be honest. I've been trying to talk about the Thunder in this podcast for the last two or three pods, and they just haven't made the cut because you know it's you know they're a hard you know they're a hard topic to to to, to bring up. They're they're not a contending team. They're, you know, they've been accused of tanking. They're not really tanking. I suspect towards Anymore. the end of this. <laughs> I suspect towards the end of this season, when the um, you have a better view of where the draft order might be finishing, you might see a maneuver or two that is. You you might see plantar you know, fasciitis sweep across the plains. <laughs> yeah, um, but they had. They, they just had this road trip, a Northeast road trip. They won in New York where they put up 145. Mm. Um, by the way, the Knickerbockers, who will not be discussed on this pod, just did an altitude sweep. One in Salt Lake and in Denver and back-to-back nights. Um, Jokic missed the game in Denver because mm-hmm. he's in uh, protocols. Nonetheless, how about the Knickerbockers getting back above 500? But the, the Thunder beat them. Hung 145. You were at that game, weren't you, Bontemps? I was. How about on Sunday, McMahon? Bontemps went to the... Dude. Go ahead. No, hold on. Saturday night, he's in Philly. Yeah. Sunday, uh, early early afternoon, he's in New York for this game. 
Sunday night, he's back in Philly. The man did a three and two, bouncing back and forth between two different cities. Yeah, I but mean, he, he watched Shea drop 37 in the garden and then drove down 95. That's right. And watched Embiid put up 59. 59 performances we've ever seen. <laughs> and to have 26 of 27 points scored for his team in the fourth quarter. It, was, it worked out pretty good for me. And also, how many blocks factor. did he have in the fourth quarter? He had five. They're 26 points and five blocks in the fourth quarter. That's one of the most dominant performances you'll you'll ever see. I mean, it's a regular season game in November, so I'm not sure it can go down in the historic annals, but still. It was in the top 10 in basketball efforts game score of the last 50 years, basically, since I started doing it. And this is our Thunder Talk. Yes. (laughs) Right. Anyway, they they, they won in New York, then they went up to Boston, and it came down to the final minute in Boston. Um, Mm -hmm. Played very well. Led a lot of the game. Was Jalen Brown out for that game, or is he back by then? Uh, Jalen was back for that game, I think. I think he missed the game before. Okay, Something came right down that, to the end. Bad. I can't remember though. Um, I watched either way, either way, either way, they led most of the game, played very well, came down to the end, and they lost. It's, it's Bontem's birthday week. Do not ask on him a, to call on facts. a back on a back to back, right? All right, then on Wednesday night, they were in Washington after visiting the White House. It was like a practice visit for their eventual championship. <laughs> Biden was in Indonesia. But the Thunder were at the White House. And then that was their off day. Then they came into the, uh, the Wizards Arena. I can't remember what it's called. Capital One Arena. And um, the Wizards has just gotten Bradley Beal back. And by the way, Beal dropped 15 in the fourth quarter, including a maybe uh, aided step back in the last 10 seconds. His guy sort of fell down. He might have came into off. the game with a four game winning streak too, playing really. That's well. right. They'd won four in a row. They were playing well. They were eight and six and Beal uh, dropped 25, including 15 in the fourth. Mm-hmm. And Shay, Shay Gilgis Alexander drops a three pointer on them to win with 1.1 seconds left to finish with 42 in that game. Yeah, a, a career-high 42. This dude is averaging well over 30. Uh, I mean, he's, a, he's, he's playing at a superstar level. And, you know, you have to <clears throat> include him at least in the, in the fringe of the MVP conversation. Like, hey, you know, if, if you're filling out a ballot right now, would he be on the ballot? He, you know, he's oh, in the, I, th- I think a lot more than a fringe. I think a month into the season, he has to be on the ballot. I'm not saying he's going to be on the ballot at the end of the season. Well, I don't think you're as of one today. or two. So I'm, I'm, I'm saying fringe because I don't think he's one or two. Like I'm not going to seriously say he's the MVP, but absolute All NBA. Uh, certainly, you've got to, you've got to consider him uh, for most improved. I mean, this is a guy who we kind of talked about. Hey, this, this kid's a star. He's playing at a a superstar level. Here's a crazy stats and info, Jim. SGA is the second player to record 10 games of 30 plus points with 50% field goal shooting in the first 14 games of a season. Only other guy who's ever done that. Wilt Chamberlain, 1962-63. Now, when you Luka do something 30... Wilt Chamberlain does, it's yeah, a special thing. Now, Luca's got a chance if his next game is 30 plus on on 50% field goal shooting to to join that. But the point is, SGA is playing at that level right now where he's legitimately playing as well as anybody in the league. He's unstoppable off the dribble. He's got such like a, it's just, his game is, is such like a combination of like athletic, but funky and just like this weird sort of skill like he's so good at like changing direction and changing angles and finishing with whatever hand and then every once in a while he'll just jump up and dunk on you or you know he's got the little pull up pivot you know find a way to get his shot off sga is the kind of player teams tank to get and (laughs) and and it's funny because the thunder didn't get him by tanking they got him in the paul george trade obviously but he's the kind of player teams tank to get let me tell you his last six games at Detroit, which they lost by nine, he goes 13 of 23 with seven rebounds, five assists, scores 33 points. Then gets Milwaukee at home. They're a very competitive loss by four. 
kind of the ideal Thunder game, right? Very competitive against a good team and lose. Um, he played 46 minutes in that game. You certainly can't say that's a tanking line. Mm-hmm. Uh, 13 of 35 shooting in that game. 11 of 13 at the line. Four assists, 39 points. Then they play in Toronto, which they blew the Raptors out. They played them at home. Uh, he only played 28 minutes in that game. So his, his overall numbers weren't great, but eight of 14, uh, 20 points uh, at, then I said uh, at the Knicks, he goes 13 of 22 for 37. Then he goes at Boston uh, 13 of 26 for 37. He had eight uh, assists in both those games, uh, 37 and eight in both those games at New York um, and at Boston. And then last night, um, McMahon mentioned he had a career high, uh, 42, including the game winner and his overall shooting was 14 of 22 again with six rebounds, seven assists. So in terms of his most improved player (laughs) status candidate, uh, last year, which, you know, and by the way, he had a a knee injury in the preseason that slowed him down. He was able to kind of start on time, but he missed some of the preseason, but last year he averaged 25 points shot 53%, uh, not great from three-point range last year, shot uh, 30% on five a game, but averaged um, five rebounds and six assists last year. This year, 31.5, so we'll give him 32. So he's gone from 25 to 32, um, averaging about the same number of rebounds, about the same number of six uh, assists, uh, averaging two-plus steals per game this mm-hmm. year averaging one and a half blocks per game that's double what he was a year ago and here's the most important number and what i really want to highlight he's shooting 54 percent from the field um and so how do you get from 45 percent from the field from to 54 percent? and that's really where you go from 24 points a game to 31 or 25 points a game to 32 So here's where he's made a difference. First off, he's taking five more two-point shots per game this year than he did last year. And he's taking about half as many threes. He's gone from six threes a game to three threes a game. Okay. And when you break that down further, uh, last year he took 13% of his shots in the 10 to 16-foot range. That's the mid-range. Mm-hmm. And he shot 44% on them. It's okay. You'd like to have a little bit more, but you know, he's a guard. He, a lot of them are going to be contested this year. He's taken a quarter of his shots from the mid range, 10 to 16 feet. And he's shooting 53% on him. He has become a demon in the mid range. He, he's hunting those shots. He also, while he's taking fewer three pointers, He's taking more of them from the corner where he's making a higher percentage of them. He's always shot the ball well from the corner three, but he hasn't always taken as many of them. So he's taking more threes from the corner and that has lifted his three point percentage to 38, which is you know good. And so right there, uh, Bontemps, you have, if I was going to use a, a, uh, a stat analytics uh, term, his change in his shot diet has directly correlated to his improved efficiency and improved scoring and improved output. Well, he's also taken a lot more shots in the paint in the restricted area and he's shooting 74% on those shots. Like his efficiency is up across the board. And look, I came into the season saying Shea was the most underrated player in the league because I, I, you know, I, when I did the uh, poll of the top six young point guards in the league last year, included him in it. And he, you know, he wasn't seen in the same light as guys like Luca and Ja and Trey. Mm-hmm. And I, me personally, you know, McMahon has talked about the the comparisons to Donovan Mitchell before. Mm-hmm. The biggest reason why I thought this guy wasn't seen in that light was he was playing on a team that nobody was paying attention to because they were trying to be terrible. And they'd and, shut him down so they'd lose. Well, that's the other was, thing. He was, he was, already he was like, they were going to be way too close to 500 if he played. That's right. He played 35 games two years ago, played 56 games last year. So I wanted to see him on the court and do what he was doing over a full season. But like you look right now at the way he's playing to me, there's one point. I mean, I guess if you call Luca point guard, there's maybe two point guards in the league 
that you take over him. Steph, and if you count Luca as a point guard, Luca. What do you mean if you count Luca? Luca has the ball in his hands ninety-eight <laughs> percent of the time. Yeah, I'm just he? saying. Well, like you know, it's the whole. That's the whole. Like you know, was LeBron a point guard during his career thing? I, I think you'd say Luca's a point guard. I'm just saying. Like to me, it's those two guys. Like I, I, I would probably. You could make an argument going forward. You'd rather have Shea than Ja. He's four or five. The inches NBA bigger. will probably later in the season. The NBA will probably say. Yeah, you can give Luca votes for all NBA at guard, forward, or center. Yeah, like, look, look, look how often he played point guard. Ninety-nine percent of the time. Well, all right, that's fine. My <laughs> my point was just to say. My point was just to say. To me, this guy is clearly in the top three or four point guards in the league. I'd rather have him than Trey. I'd maybe rather have him than Ja. When you look at his size at six six, he could get wherever he wants on the court. You mentioned that mid range shot. I, you see over and over. He just sort of like Paul Pierce maneuvers his way to the foul line, does a little turnaround, step back, 10-foot jumper, and it's unguardable because whoever's let's, on him let's is Let's generally... not talk just about Paul Pierce. Let's refer to something that StatMuse mm-hmm. pointed out on Twitter yesterday. This was Jackson who sent this to me. The last guard to average more than 30 points a game on less than three three-pointers a game. He's averaging a little bit less than three threes a game. Was... Michael Kobe? Jordan. Oh, Jordan. Right. Michael Jordan was pretty good in the mid range. <laughs> hey, sure. I've got, a, not... I've got another, uh, I've got another Jordan comp, a little stat head search that I just did. You mentioned this dude is averaging over two steals, a block and a half, just 30 points, two steals, one block per game. There are five names that come up in the, in the all time database there, or I'm not sorry, three names, five times. Michael Jordan did that three times, and Dwayne Wade did it once. Now you got SGA. It's early, but that's the kind of season that he's having, and he's he's leading the league in drives per game. He's he's just absolutely dominating off the drive, and the crazy thing about it is he's doing it with what I would say is certainly less than ideal spacing. Chip England, the shooting guru that uh, OKC – poached off the Spurs staff, has some work to do because, you know, Josh Giddy obviously has to remake his shot. You know, Lou Dort's shot is certainly a, a work in progress. Um, you know, Still has are, shown a lot of improvement, Dort. Mm, no, check his percentage right now, buddy. Three, boss. <laughs> My, he's a lot better offensive player than he was three He's shooting ago. 26% from three, boss. He's a lot okay, better offensive gonna, player than he was okay, three years I, Sure, that's fine. We said his <laughs> Poor, shot is a problem. His shot is a problem. Being, Right. Point being, when when teams are facing the Thunder, they're saying, don't, don't, I mean, line one, do not let SGA kill us off the off the drive. And he's still killing them off the drive. Well, still killing them off the drive. And the thing that's the thing that to me puts him on a level above potentially guys like Ja and especially Trey is like this guy's the potential to be a very good defensive player. And, mm-hmm. you know, over the past couple of years, especially with the team being bad. You know, opposing scouts have noted that like the guy hasn't exactly been putting in the kind of effort at that end of the court that they'd like to see. But you look this year, they're seven and nine. And he, like you said, he's got a block and a half a game. He's got a couple steals a game. The effort is back at that end of the court and the ability to be a two way player like that at that spot with his size and his ability to get to the rim. Like that's just it, it's it's exactly what you're looking for in a guard like that. And it, you know, to your, you, you said at the beginning, man, this is the kind of guy that teams tank for. You know, mm-hmm. the Thunder, by ma- by starting their rebuild, by making the Paul George trade and getting this guy in the trade with all the picks, gave them a huge leg up on Houston and all these Orlando and all these other teams that are in the same boat as them because they already had one of these guys. Yeah. And now they get Chet back next year. You know, he's been on the court recently. He's on this trip. I saw him doing some shooting drills at the Garden the other day with Chip Englund. Like, he's got a chance to be a pretty special piece for them if they and the other thing is too like we're talking about them being bad later in the season i if you look at the western we'll conference we're going to talk about this later mm-hmm. if this guy's playing like this they're just not going to be bad enough to be way down in the dregs at the bottom of the lottery like they're they're they might get lucky and jump up from nine or ten or something but I mean, this guy's too good for them to win 25 games or even 30 games i think if he is healthy over the course of the season. I mean, he's just he's just doing like as you guys have pointed out with all the stats, he's just doing unprecedented stuff. 
Well, and, and you've heard people mention, hey, is SGA the next uh, the next big name on the on the trade block? Why the hell would Oklahoma City even remotely consider that? He's 24 years old in the first year of a five-year extension with no player option. Um, and, you know, this thing, I it, you have a talent like that, it's probably time to fast track it starting this offseason, you know, hopefully certainly that, uh, that check comes back and can be an impactful kind of complimentary player next year. You know, bond temps, we talked about it on the hit show, howdy partners that, uh, when refuses <laughs> to watch, um, you know, you get all those picks, you got this kind of a talent. It might be time to start bundling those and trying to find pieces that, uh, to, to fit around the superstar that you have on your roster and, you know, really try to make a splash going forward. And they're still good. I mean, they've got some extremely valuable picks. They've, they've got a couple of rockets picks uh, moving forward. Not, not this year, but you know, they, I believe it's 24 and 26 plus a swap, right? I mean, they've got some extremely valuable picks. Um, you know, we might be looking up in a couple of years and, and the thunder are a force. They, they certainly have the guy who can be the foundation of a, uh, of a really tough team. Yeah, I mean, obviously they would, like anybody else, love to get their hands on Wembenyama or Scoot Henderson. But they may have a player that is better than any player that they could draft in a top five, which they, which is, which, you know, as a quick drive by, which is one of the things that I've been talking about a little bit with the Nets as we walk, you know, keep an eye on around December 15th, because in my view, the Nets have until December 15th to decide whether or not they can go forward in this mm-hmm. season or not. And what I mean by that is they have the swap rights with the Rockets this year. That is going to be the most advantageous time to have a swap rights with the Rockets or uh, because the next year the Rockets have their pick. And two years from now, who knows where the Rockets swap rights were going to be and who knows where the Nets are going to be. And if you the, look to make to, tr- to be to be clear, the Rockets have swap rights with the Nets. Correct. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah I'm yeah. saying if you look at the next four years, swap with the Rockets this year. Rockets can swap the Nets pick this year. Next year, the Rockets own the next Nets pick outright, mm-hmm. no matter where it comes. Year after that, it's a swap rights again with the Rockets. Year after that, it's outright owned. So of those four years, as you sit here today, the least penal year yes. is this year. If you're going to bottom out, this is the best year to do it because it gets really painful. Right. So if you're going to bottom out, you want to do it this year. And if you trade Durant, maybe you can find a trade. Maybe that doesn't return the type of return that Paul George did, but maybe you can get a young player that can, you can dream that could turn into Shea that could go along with the pick that you're potentially going to make in in the lottery this year. And I, I don't think they have to make the decision today. And they got a Kyrie situation coming up. They got to see what happens with this team when it gets back together. Maybe they catch fire. I would doubt that because they can't defend anybody, but you know, in but, but December 15th is when all the players who were signed last year can be traded. So it's the beginning of trade season. Well, a lot, anyway. a lot of them anyway. Yeah, that's, I digress. I'm sorry. I know we don't want to talk about the nets on here, but it's a, it's a, it's a, as you look at a map of what to do to get yourself out of an expensive team that's not good enough, that's what the Thunder essentially did. Mm-hmm. Although it was it was instigated by the fact that Paul George said, "I want to go," but they got rid of, got rid of Paul George and Westbrook, and now what they have here is they have the the fruit. The player was already in the league of the Paul George trade. Now is far and away their franchise player. Also, uh, far and away the best player in that trade. Like. Paul George is a really good player, but SGA is a better player than Paul George right now. And and certainly, if you're asking who would you rather have long term, it's it's a it's a no brainer. So put a ball on this. So put a ball on this real quick. An executive was texting me last night watching the game. He said, "There's only one player in the league right now that's definitively been better, in his opinion, than Shea this season. Who's Giannis? Like the fact you could argue other people, but like again, the fact that we're saying like he's on the ballot." Well, that's what I mean. You can argue other guys, yeah. but like you, you're talking about, he's in the conversation right now with yeah. guys like that, like Luca, like Tatum, like Jokic, like, like Embiid. I mean, he's playing at that kind of level. Like but it's, it's just crazy. One thing is that Shea was drafted, I believe 12th or 13th, 11th, 11th. It's a lottery pick, a late lottery pick. And he had, 
he showed promise his rookie year. And what people really liked about him was he was six six. He had great length. I don't know what his wingspan is, but it's it's impressive. It's long. <laughs> um, He's long. People liked his potential, but I'm not so sure anybody saw this. Well, no, or he wouldn't have gone eleventh. Uh, two spots right. after Kevin Knox went to the Knicks, which no. I believe was mentioned a few times as he was <laughs> lighting. Well, it's funny. I saw him. Fire. I saw him. It's funny. I saw him play. In the, I covered the NCAA tournament in Boise that spring, and he was like 40th. I remember it, watching their first game, Kentucky, him and Kevin Knox were playing. Kevin Knox was like fifth or sixth to give mm-hmm. Oni's top 100, and Shea was like 40th, and he had a crazy first game. I started texting people. I was like, who is this guy? Like, this guy's crazy, 6'6", long guard. By the end of the – by the, like, the second weekend of the tournament, he was up to like, I don't know, 12th or something. Like, he skyrocketed late in the season. Um, but yeah, he was a, a raw, he's from camp. I, I mean, again, we keep talking about all these Canadian players. You look at Nick nurse over the next couple of years with this guy and Jamal Murray and I, Andrew Wiggins, Lou Dort, like they're going to be, they're going to, they just qualified for the world cup last week. Like they're not going to be an easy out for Dwight Powell. Tournaments. Dwight Powell, <laughs> Dwight Powell, Dwight Powell, they, um, they, Dwight Powell. They really need him. They have no bigs. They need Dwight to well, play. Well, I just wrote a piece that, published on Tuesday about the French national team, because mm-hmm. over the weekend, uh, last Friday and Monday, uh, when Benyama played for the French national team for the first time. And uh, now this was not top talent. If you follow the way yeah. the, um, the, uh, the team, the U S men's national team qualifies for the world cup um, in soccer, where like, multiple times per year, like all the soccer leagues in the world shut down. Everybody goes to their home country and they qualify over the course of two years. This is what they also do in basketball. Only like a lot of countries and leagues, the biggest leagues in the world, specifically the Euro league and the NBA don't shut down for it. So 24 hour fitness shuts down. And so they get a bunch of guys to go out there. (laughs) Team USA is like scrounging up a team. Like, um, uh, the, the names that you would have heard of on the team that just played in the U.S. qualification included like Rodney Hood. He was on the team and uh, I'm trying to think. Rodney um, Hood, all right. Langston Galloway was on the team and some other guys who were on loan from G-Leaguers. But Wembenyama's team, which his, 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 um, his professional team, which is outside Paris, uh, they are coached by the French national team coach, Vincent Collette. And... Um, <laughs> Big surprise. His team did shut down and let Wembenyama and Colette go play in the French qualifier. And they played um, against Lithuania and Bosnia. And Wembenyama was dominant. He, 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 he's, hit, he's hitting runner threes, like off dribble runner threes, like smoothly. It's ridiculous. Yeah. At seven foot 12 or whatever he is. Scotty so Barnes had one of those one legged step back threes last night late in the shot clock. I said, Oh, he did a victor. I was like, <laughs> I hadn't seen it before. <laughs> it was amazing. So let me. So, Victor, I spent a couple of hours the other day translating some French quotes oh, from Victor. Um, he got asked about that shot, and I just felt that his answer was really, really good about that shot. So, I will. Uh, this is translation from Google and me as I was trying to put it together. Will you um, do it in a French accent? No. I, I wish I could, but I'll get mocked. Um, this is what he said about that. Uh, and if you haven't seen it, you can... He did it in a in a French league game about two weeks ago, where he basically it's like, what would you say, McMahon? It's like a half Dirk, half yeah, Kobe. It's, but it's it's not a fadeaway. It, 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 it's, it's like I said, it's just a it's a runner from legit NBA three-point range. But like he shoots it kind of like Kobe, like you know how Kobe would like yeah. float, mm-hmm. but he he runs into it and shoots off one leg like Dirk. Yeah, I don't know. Somebody smarter than me could come up with a nickname for it. But here's what he said: "Quote, a basketball player is like a chess player. You have to be able to anticipate every move your opponents are going to make and know that they're going to have a response because adversaries always adapt." I have been working on this move for months. I want to be able to become indefensible. Indefensible or something like that, I think is the uh, French word for it. I remember when I was looking at it, I just saw the word indefensible at the end. And I was like, you ain't kidding. I'll translate that right now. That's an indefensible yeah. shot. <laughs> um, 
So uh, he's pretty. You know what? I remember when Harden uh, a couple years ago during like summer pickup runs. You know, you see like the videos to get put out on (laughs) social media, and he was hitting a bunch of these one-legged threes. And uh, I remember asking him about it, and it was kind of like a thing going into the season. And then I remember asking D'Antoni about it. D'Antoni goes, "He doesn't have trouble getting his shot off. This is this is all ridiculous." And I'm and I, as interesting as this shot is from Victor, he's seven three seven four. No one's blocking his regular shot. Like he doesn't have just, to do this. <laughs> I'm just studying him, and I'm more and more fascinated with him. Anyway, the World Cup is next year in the Philippines. Um, mm. A couple of the Ameri- of the better American players have indicated they want to play, Bradley Beal and Trey Young. Um, and then, obviously, the Paris Olympics, where Wenbenyama and um, Gobert. And who knows where Embiid's going to play. And Joel Embiid is going to be, uh, I described it in my column, as a low-key, high-level recruiting effort because Embiid just became an American citizen. <laughs> I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say and it's a French be, citizen I, somehow. <laughs> I wouldn't say it's going to be low-key. I would, I would say nothing involving the big fellow is low-key. If I had to guess, I would guess he doesn't play at all. But Well, um, I mean, he's just, so many of these summers, he's recuperating from injuries. Yeah, but, so but, but it, I, if he decides to play, I mean, a, a Gobert and Bede, Wembenyama front line would be fascinating to just watch. <laughs> period. Wembenyama can play well, shooting guard. Well, that's what I mean. You could have them all on the. You could. I mean, certainly Embiid and Victor could space the floor. I mean, that ain't an this issue. This is the thing about Wembenyama and Chet Holmgren, who's got a similar skill set. He's not the shooter yeah. that Wembenyama is. These guys are not necessarily bigs. Wembenyama is going to play on the wing, not all the time, but he's going to be kind of a wing player. So, um, yeah, I mean, it would be awkward to play them together, but you could. Yeah, but I think if you're I mean, not, in, not in FIBA ball, man, you could just run a two, three, have them all on the baseline and then yeah. have Holy those guys Moses. shoot it. Oh, well, that Moses. thing with women. And from the FIBA the, line that's closer to, it's not even like you're shooting the, NBA threes. The basket defense. Forget it. Forget it. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, you know, I know that where we are with Team USA is we only really notice them when they lose. Mm-hmm. And. Let me just say that, like, you know, people are taking pot shots at Durant these days. And I'm hearing people talk about, you know, taking shots at his legacy. And, you know, he gave a, he gave an interview to the Bleacher Report after they lost by 100 the other night in Sacramento. And he was talking about his legacy. Part of Durant's legacy is that he carried Team USA to a gold medal in Tokyo. And again, I know that the average sports fan may not even remember. It was like, Oh, did we win that gold medal? We did. Cool. Uh, whatever. And they don't you think remember about if it. you lose it. That's right. Yeah. I'm telling you, it is a, yeah, I don't... it is a, a, a pole in Durant's legacy that he del- helped deliver that helped deliver that gold medal for the Americans. And it took Durant's greatness to beat the mm-hmm. French in the final. And the French are going to have Wembenyama and they're going to be playing in France in 2024 and the Canadians are going to potentially have Shea and Dort and Wiggins. I mean, they could have a full roster of NBA players. They could have and Shane NBA players by them. Right. Shane Sharp is Canadian. I mean, they got, they we're got talent talk about all Shane over the Sharp place. in a minute. If we can ever get to the next part of this, well, pod. you decided to turn this into a Victor. I know <laughs> I didn't say it was, I said it was me. I, I would it, make every pot about Victor. If it was, when he was me. promoting his, his, his own work, I check know. out the hoop it's collective just, column that ran earlier this week. That's right. We all got, right. we got promotionists everywhere. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call or click Ranger.com or just stop by. Now let's talk about the play of the week, the pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyeho Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. (music) 
All right. So <laughs> when we got back to this, we were talking about the Clippers uh, trade. Let's talk about the Clippers uh, real quick. Um, they're playing tonight. Who are they playing tonight? Is Kawhi playing tonight? Great preparation, host. <laughs> well, we're always behind. I always only three we're games. Playing, tonight, well, they're playing the Pistons playing. tonight. Playing All Detroit. Right. I don't know what's going to happen in this game. Maybe they win by 50 and everything's great. Maybe they lose wow. by 10. Beating the Pistons by 50 doesn't make everything also great. Also pretty sure Cade isn't playing, so it even takes yes. another knock off of that. Okay, yeah. so the Clippers are 8 and 7. And McMahon, you just were you just were at their game in in Dallas a couple days yeah, ago. Yeah, and they almost came back from 20 or they came back from 25 down, weren't able to finish it out. Second half of back to back. You know what a bad performance, but it's just this Kawhi thing is, I mean, it's it's normal in that it's weird with Kawhi, right? Like, what's going on with him? Now he's on he was on the trip. Uh, there's murmurs, hey, Kawhi might be coming back. I I I get the feeling that the Clippers really are just kind of in the dark and awaiting word from Kawhi. That, like hey, Kawhi could come in today against the Pistons. We're out of date here. He could say, "I'm going to play tonight." Yeah, and it's I don't know I don't know that they know a whole lot about what exactly is going on, and I it's not the you don't want to push it because you saw how that played out in in San Antonio. You don't want to ask too many questions or make them feel like you're doubting him or or whatever the case may be. But it's just it's obviously the guy came back from a, is coming back from a serious injury, but he missed a full year. Uh, you know, goes goes through camp, shows Look, up. He, he got he got rehurt, right? Like, like Ty Lewis twisted himself into a pretzel, trying to make it sound like everything's a okay. He came back and played two games, and now he's missed a month. Right? So don't tell me everything's a okay. I mean, uh, and and I don't even blame Ty. I'm not even I'm not even saying he's he's trying to be a ev- well, he is being evasive, but he's he's trying to protect the relationship. He's trying to protect the player, but don't. Don't tell me that everything's fine, that, that he didn't have a setback or whatever. He he hadn't played for a month. Clearly, he has a he something happened there. Whether well, he's, whether he, he got to... hurt or not, whether he got hurt or not, he played two games in very bizarre fashion coming in the middle of the second quarter. The coach right. was clearly not happy about it, made it known at the time. And then he's now disappeared for a month, and we have no idea why. And you know, Kawhi, I was talking to somebody with the Clippers before he was uh shut down. And they said, man, he's huge. Not, not that he's out of shape, but like Kawhi came back looking like a, you know, a, a pass rusher. Like they were concerned that he's too muscular, too big, too, there's too much weight uh, on those legs. I don't know if that has anything to do with whatever has shut him down for a month or not, but it's just a, it's, it's just a weird situation where, they don't know when, if, how much Kawhi is going to be available for them. And so you're talking about a team that, you know, went in the season. There was a lot of talk about, hey, the Clippers might be the best team in the NBA. They might, you know, they're probably the best team in the West, this, that, and the other. And they're just a kind of a, a mystery at this point. Yeah. So speaking of Canadians, Jamal Murray, he um, tore his ACL. And he has less history of, uh, you know, leg injuries than mm. than Kawhi. He tore his in April of 21. Kawhi had his injury in June of 21 in the middle of that series with the Jazz. Just to remind you about how cautious, cagey, obfuscation um, that the Clippers have to be about Kawhi. If you remember, he tore his ACL. And they basically had him on the game <laughs> on the game is like questionable or day to day. He had torn ACL because they, you know, and I know that there was some story there, but I'm just saying like, anyway, Murray tore his in April. Kawhi tore his in June. Jamal Murray is playing okay yeah. for the the Nuggets. He's averaging 16 points. He's, he's slowly knocking it. the rust off. Yeah, he's, he's, he's just looks okay. He looks like a guy who has had a lot of time down and is working his way back. So Kawhi is well behind that schedule. And he's as cautious as uh, as any player with an injury that I've ever seen in the NBA. 
So even if he pronounces himself ready to go in at the six minute mark of the second quarter against Detroit or in the next few days, I don't know what you're going to see from him. And really, Bontemps, the Clippers have no choice mm-hmm. but to go with this. They, you know, like I have been very much critical of the way the Nets have handled Kyrie. Because I was just going to say, I was just going to say. They have let Kyrie totally get away with stuff and totally be out of control. And so they've raped what they sowed there. In this case, I'm not sure the Clippers have a choice. The Clippers are so invested and he's so freaking good. Let's like, let's not forget <clears throat> the last time he was healthy, that series with the Mavericks, McMahon, that was his oh dominant performance. As you, I mean, that's why Game you six. do this. Game six, he has 40 some odd points and smothers Luca down the stretch. <laughs> Holy, I mean, yeah, the guy can multiple time finals MVP. That's the kind of player that he is when he's healthy, when he's available, and you know, when he's fully invested. Look, this team is Nets West. But that's what they are. They're Nets West. They're 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 a better version of it in the sense that they're more uh, they're more stable and they put on a better face of it, but they they handed the team over to Kawhi Leonard. They traded mm-hmm. Shea Gilgeous Alexander and every pick known to man to get Paul George, so Kawhi would come there. He said, "Hey, I'll come here if you trade for this guy." They said, "Yes, sir." They went and did it, and as you said, Brian, at every step they have catered to what he's wanted at every turn. He lives. You know, down I think in San Diego, basically where he's from Riverside. I think um, area. You know, but it's it's far away from L.A. Yeah. Um. You know, they they've certainly. I mean, this whole what you're going to come in in the middle of the second quarter thing. Clear. I mean, you know, Ty, as you mentioned before, is usually pretty evasive, but he made it pretty clear. I don't remember exactly when he said it early in the season, but he's like, "Yeah, we're there's no way for us to get any rhythm, and we're having this crazy substitution pattern." Like, you know, but this is what Kawhi wants to do. So they said, okay, we're going to do it. And it doesn't come with the same fireworks in many ways that the Nets have for all sorts of reasons. But at the end of the day, it's no different. And frankly, they haven't had any more success. And, you know, yes, Kawhi is, I watched Kawhi win a finals MVP in Toronto. We all saw him play in San Antonio he had that, you know, he's been incredible at times for the Clippers in the playoffs, but I don't know what version of this guy is coming back from this knee injury. Like, I don't know if that guy's coming back again. And if he doesn't, this team has no shot. Like, they were built with the premise that Paul George and Kawhi Leonard were going to be two of the best 10 or 15 players in the league, and Kawhi in particular was going to be one of the best players in the league again. If he's not that guy again, this team is cooked. Yeah, well, I would argue about they have they have any more. Yeah. Well, I was going to say they, 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 they've they gone to a couple conference, conference finals. finals. Yeah. They, they got there once, right? Once. Twice. Yeah. Twice. Once. Once. I'm sorry. Once. One semis yeah. and one, one finals. Right. You're right. Right. I mean, the, the, the lost one is they're up 3 1 in the bubble on the Nuggets. <clears throat> you know, I mean, people all denigrate the Lakers, which is ridiculous. Lakers had the number one record in the West when the season stopped. They had the number one record in the West after the bubble games. They had the number one mm-hmm. seed in the West. They won the West, whatever. But we were de- we were denied the opportunity to see a real Lakers Clippers series there. You know, we'll never know what happened that year. But they but they made the when they made the West Finals, Kawhi was hurt. Right. So we really have never gotten to see them. You know. I, you know, I, I have said I've qualified this as it's a basketball travesty. I'll say it again. It is a basketball travesty that Harden, Kawhi, and Durant never got to play together and have a real chance at even one fair bite at the apple. Because who knows what that threesome Hard, actually he, did. Hard, Harden, Kyrie. What did I say? A hard Kawhi. Kawhi. I'm so sorry. I heard Sir Bontemps go, what? I knew I was in trouble. <laughs> no, I, just, I was just Kyrie. trying to follow. I was naming the band. We're doing the same thing. We were trying to follow what you were saying. Right. I was too like, many when K was that happen? <laughs> too many K players. Harden, Kyrie, Durant. <clears throat> Basketball travesty that that never even got to have one mm-hmm. bite at the apple. That we have not gotten the Lakers-Clippers showdown. And now the Lakers are... 
you know, they're washed out to sea and the, and the Clippers just still haven't gotten it together. I mean, what we thought we were going to have in 2019, it just hasn't materialized. It's probably a lesson about overreacting to, you know, stuff that happens in so super team building spotlight but. versus streetlights still haven't seen it baby <laughs> uh lar way uh is the way that the uh, clippers put it um can't believe yeah, you so delve so far into lakers coverage in this pod i thought thought you were a we've made a lot that. of drive-by uh references in this pod we've been a little all over the place it's been my fault but i don't care Doing three pods a week right now. It's hard to keep it together. Nice. Too much whoa, whoa. Too much Look who's working hard. <laughs> Too much work. Too much work. Um, the Clippers have no choice at this point. They're in for a penny, in for a pound. They pretty much have to go to his whims because they're not going anywhere unless he comes back and is focused. And so in November, you got to just sit there and take it. But it doesn't mean that we can't sit there and say this is dysfunctional. And so we come into the season, obviously the Warriors are the defending champions. The Clippers are getting Kawhi back, or so we thought. And so I think pretty consensus opinion was, hey, those are the two best teams in the West. We're at the point now where I'm like, who is the best team in the West? Who are the really good teams in the West? Are there really good teams in the West? And when do you have, uh, didn't take long to to find them on the standings, but you've got uh, one team that you are believing in. Yeah, and I see your howdy partner stuff. You're trying to take over as the host here. And I appreciate what you're trying <laughs> to do. I, I'm doing you a favor and trying to get this damn thing on track, knowing that you've I got know. a, an appointment I know. You here want to talk about, about the Blazers. Minutes. As I, I pointed out earlier, when I was on his thing earlier this week, McMahon <laughs> tried to declare that one of our egos had run amok, and it wasn't him, which I was very amused by on, on it. I don't well, even know how to right. spell him up. Before the Blazers, do we have trivia? Oh, I make such a smooth segue and you yank it back to give it a That's bottle. what I'm saying. Well, let is, me do the segue. This is a bunch you of stay whoops. Over, segue stay then. Damn, Handle man. your own show. Take care of your own show. <laughs> You're not the host, McMahon. We had Settle a freaking down. shot stay, clock violation. Stay, stay <laughs> in your lane. Come on. Let's, um, 19, my answer is the 1956-57 Warriors. That's incorrect. <laughs> Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts, 122 million. For your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Warm up with the hottest games live with Vivid Seats. No matter the sport, Vivid Seats wants you to get to the games you love. Plus, with Vivid Seats rewards, you can score free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, an annual birthday discount, and more. They're the only ticket company in the game that rewards fans for every purchase. As the official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code HOOP. That's code HOOP. H-O-O-P. Visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats. Experience it live. Now it's time for Hoop Collective Trivia. Uh, Four years ago today, Kemba Walker scored 60 points against the Sixers. Um wild because he's now currently not in the league um even though he's in the last year of a max deal who is the only other six foot player in nba history to score 60 points in a game under six foot or six, six foot. foot yeah six did foot isaiah thomas under? score 60 points he, in was, a game? he was he was six one i want to say or probably still is um tiny Mo Williams. Mo Williams scored 50 he didn't score 60 he's taller than six foot two tiny archibald ain't it huh nope damn uh, Iverson was taller than six foot. Um, damn. It's a good question. Who was the leading score on the 56? 56, 56 Curtis Warriors? Stats Williams. <clears throat> I am. Um, 
Iverson. It was Iverson. Now he's tall. He's taller than six foot, isn't he? No, he's not. He's not. I s- he's definitely not. <laughs> he's listed at six feet. <laughs> and neither Boss. is Mo Williams. Well, I love you, Mo. But uh, the answer is Mo Iverson. and I have talked many times. We we look at eye at eye. Um, all right, that was a good one. Right, I'm sure many people on the pod okay. were screaming, Iverson, Iverson, Iverson. Yeah, I was just, I was going to say Iverson. Uh, then McGann was like, ah, he's taller. And he moved on. So I was just, <laughs> I was going to let it sit for a minute and it, say it right. actually was Iverson. I <clears throat> okay. I didn't hear McMahon say Iverson. Oh, it's all good. You got it right. Um, all right. Well, the, you know, Dame Lillard is taller than six foot, uh, but he's a, one of the, one of the shorter dominant all-time players. And that dude's had 60 point mm-hmm. games. Um, the Blazers are the Western Conference's number one team by record. Mm-hmm. Um, and that would have to be classified as a surprise. Would it not? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Um, Absolutely. And, you know, 15 games does not make a season. But I will also point out that this team potentially has more upside this year because, you know, one of their key offseason moves was to sign Gary Payton. Not that I think Gary Payton the second mm-hmm. will come in and – all of a sudden dominate, but they have that guy who's, uh, I think soon to make his debut. Well, and um, I will only say as you get wound up, Brian, uh, it, you say 15 games doesn't make a season, but oftentimes you go back and look over the course of history, 20% of the season is generally a pretty good s- sample for what the final standings are going to look like. So it doesn't seem like it's that far, but we are 20% of the way into the season and these guys look awfully good. Well, you know what else is another pretty good indicator is net rating. And credit to the Blazers. They've had, I believe, three last few second game-winning shots. Uh, but they do rank seventh in the West in net rating, which is my way of saying, no disrespect, but I still don't look at the Blazers as a legitimate contender. No, has a better net rating than the Portland Trail Blazers? The Sacramento Kings. Yeah. The streaking Sacramento Kings. In part Mark because Spears, they beat the Sacramento Nets by 1,000. <laughs> that helps. <laughs> How about the Sacramento Kings? How about Spears doubling down? on the Kings before the Nets game, doubling down on the Kings going to make a play. And by the way, I gave him an, I gave him a window out during that pod that published on Wednesday. I said, you you, you don't mean the play in, you know, you're going to make the play. I heard that playoffs. I heard I I listen. I listen to shows that I'm not on that my (laughs) friends do. Um, Thank you. And also that you do. Um, (laughs) But here's the, here's the thing where I think I did certainly underestimate the Blazers. Um, they are actually a better in terms of league rankings. They are a better defensive team than offensive team right now. And I think they have a chance to be a solid defensive team. Um, just because, you know, I looked at, I said, Hey, Dame with another small guard, we've kind of seen that before it's, it's going to be a struggle, but man, they've got, uh, you know, you, you talk about Jeremy Grant, who's been a great fit is is playing at, at, you know, right around an all-star type of level um, as kind of a complimentary score is averaging 20 a game, but also a guy who can really uh, defend and, and be versatile there. Josh Hart's a really versatile defender. You know, even a guy like Justice Winslow coming off the bench, um, you know, certainly when Gary Payton the seconds ready to play, we know what he can do uh, defensively. I think they have kind of assembled this group of like these long rangy uh, versatile defenders around their small guards that uh, they're better on that end than, than I gave them credit for. And also give Chauncey Billups some credit, um, you know, for figuring out how to employ those guys. So one of the other things is we're still learning about Shaden Sharp, their number, mm-hmm. their number one draft pick. Um, but one of the things that is kind of apparent from him is that he wants to defend. He has a defender's mindset, which is not something you normally see from a 19 year old. That's one of the things I talked to some people who um, follow the team and know the team well. And that was one of the things that they said have really impressed the team internally is that Shaden Sharp has come in there and obviously he has great athleticism, great physical tools. So you Mm -hmm. feel like you can teach a player that, but Shaden Sharp has his, his, some of his most significant impact. And by the way, he shot the ball really, really well. He's shooting 53% overall and he's taken a fair amount of three pointers and is shooting high forties. That's obviously been something that's, mo- that's very noticeable in what he's done. Um, this is a guy that they tanked for was to get a player like this. Um, well, they, they tanked they to end up higher than seven, but he was, well, <laughs> they were happy but to they get still, him at That's seven. who they got. 
Yeah. Um, and the other thing is you, you mentioned Winslow in passing. He was kind of a, a throw in in that trade um, to get, uh, you know, to, to do the deal to trade to get off out CJ McCollum. Yeah. To move McCollum, you know, Hart, it was basically for, you know, they sent out Nance in the deal as well. Larry Nance. No, no, this was a separate, he was, he was from the, in the Clippers deal. This is the one where they dumped uh, Powell and oh, you're Covington. Right. Yeah. You are correct. Sorry. Right. Very good. Thank you for my, my back there. But anyway, Winslow was kind of seen as a, as a, um, yeah. As sort of a throw in. And he's actually been a very versatile defender for them, which is what he has been in the league, but his, you know, his value has kind of have, has ebbed and flowed. And let me ask you this bond temp. So Jeremy Grant, um, one of the reasons why the Pistons traded him was because they weren't crazy about extending his contract or giving him another contract. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, he is averaging 21 points, shooting 51% from the field, shooting 49% from three on th- five and a half attempts a game. I can't see that keeping up, but he's... I would say that's st- a safe bet. That's still... I mean, he's shooting the ball great. Um, he obviously is a versatile defensive player. He is eligible to be extended in January. He's playing great. Mm-hmm. Do the Blazers extend him in January? I think the Blazers will certainly want to extend him in January. Right. I'll be curious to see if he does extend in January with a lot of teams having cap space um, next summer. Uh, but look, I, I mean, he's played really well. I mean, it's it's been a really good start. I, and I think it, the, the two things that I, I have a little bit of concern about with them, just looking through their numbers, like obviously it's been a terrific start. Chauncey's done a great job. Like we talked about it. I don't know if we talked about it on the pod or not, but, but man, you know, I think summed it up by saying that, you know, I certainly, and I think we all did sort of thought they were in purgatory coming to the season, right? Like they're yep. kind of stuck. 100%. They're in the play in mix. Like, you know, they've got Dame under contract, but like, where are they really going? And now it looks like they at least have some real upside to be better than that. I'm a little skeptical. This defense could stay where it is. Like if they could be somewhere in the top 12 on defense, they got a chance to be a pretty darn good team because their offense should get better. Dave's missed a bunch of time and they're still that high up. Now, the other thing is they have a lot of guys shooting way over their head from deep. Like Jeremy Grant has never shot over 39%. He's shooting 49. Like you said, a five and a half attempts a game. Nasir Lil shooting 43%. Shaden Sharp shooting 47%. You know, Nurkic is on a very small volume hitting 55%. Well, Shaden Sharp never even missed a three in college. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Didn't, didn't have to <laughs> take one. He not miss a shot in years before he um, season. So, I, like, I do think there's some stuff there overall that you have to wonder if it's going to come down. But, look, you guys laid it out. Justice Winslow, if now healthy, has always been a good defensive player. Josh Hart, good defensive player. Grant is long and athletic. Yusuf Nurkic mm-hmm. is a really good rim protector. Like they have to keep their guys healthy. Like they don't really like Drew Eubanks is their only other big on the roster. If Nurkic goes down, they're in a lot of trouble. Um, but Dame looks good. They, they've they've done a nice job putting athletes around him. And like we've talked about a bunch, you look at the Western Conference, the Warriors are a tire fire. All these other teams have injuries and are dealing with yeah, stuff. I mean, like they got Steph Curry. You're not a tire fire. You got Steph Curry. Well, uh, Steph yes, Curry had they, 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 Steph they've Curry got a six scored, and nine record, zero and eight on the road. I know. A tire I know. Fire. Steph Curry scored fifty points in Phoenix and they got blown out. They're a tire fire, boss. They they got <laughs> things to figure out, boss. Come on, they're a tire fire. Well, I will say Chauncey has done a good job of getting them to play with a more defensive mindset, and Joe Cronin, who got that job as the general manager under duress had to live with an interim title for months on end, but yet still had to make moves. I mean, you look at the players on this roster that are making contributions. They're Joe Cronin moves. Well, and when they made that McCollum deal, the, the, the pick protections, it broke just right on the Pelican side of things. So yep. they didn't get exactly what they were hoping for there. But as Bobby Marks pointed out in your the Hoop Collective weekly column. Uh, basically, you when you look <laughs> at that trade, Jeremy Grant's part of that trade. You know, he's a ripple right. from it, but he's That's Jeremy right. Grant. You know, they used uh, trade exception. You know, the pick they get via Milwaukee to to go out and get. Jeremy Grant. So if you're looking, hey, Jeremy Grant, Josh Hart, like that. That's that's looking like a pretty good trade, especially when they knew, hey, Anthony Simons is going to be our long-term starting two guard. We're going to have to pay him, all those sorts of things. I still do question 
in in terms of can it can this be a contender? I do question two small guards. We again, they were really good with CJ. They weren't good enough to get over the hump. I, I and especially like Dame and and Simons. Um, they're a, a negative net for the year as a, as a duo on the floor together. Um, you know, Simons is really, really good. And, you know, when they, they just came through Dallas and I asked Chauncey about him. And, and one thing Chauncey said was Dane being hurt last year was a gift to Simons because it was like no pressure, no <laughs> it was a gift to a hundred million dollar contract. <laughs> right. But he got he got the experience of being the guy. Right. And basically, yeah. hey, sink or swim and his game blossomed. Um, but again, I just I do still have questions about the ceiling of that duo together. Yeah, I agree. It's but fair. the other thing, too, listen, to your if they point, even make the playoffs this year, yeah. it's a great accomplishment for more. No, for sure. For sure. And to your point earlier about the Nets, Brian, like the, the way that Joe Cronin was able to remake this roster, it, it is a way to look if you're if you're the Nets and you're looking at this like you take this year, you rework things around Kevin Durant. You, you maybe set yourself up to have some cash space next summer. You get a high draft pick. You could have a good team as soon as next year if you do it right. It's not an easy thing to do, but it is doable. And like you said, Portland is proof that it is a possible path to take. So and we've gone this long. We really haven't talked about Dame. Dame is back. He's Dame is balling. Averaging 28 points, shooting 46% hitting his threes, has had a couple of games where he went straight, pure Dame time. Um, my he son blocked to win a game the other day. Yeah, I know. You never saw that before. My son, whose name is Dane, we were watching that game against the Lakers where Dame time was in full effect. And um, he was, you know, tapping his wrist uh, when he, when he won that game, my son fell in love with Dame because he loved when he was tapping his, he's, he's only four, but he, Already really much, uh, he was watching that game with me and he very much um, was attracted to um, the, the long range shooting and then tapping the wrist for um, for the time. Awesome. So he, The dude's he, fun to watch, man. He is super fun, for man. Sure. He's awesome. It's great to see him back and healthy. I mean, obviously he had the surgery last year on the adductor thing and you know, you have a guy who's in his early 30s, he has that surgery. You sort of wonder, mm-hmm. all right, like, is he actually going to come back the same as he was before? Is we starting? Are we starting to see the decline? And he didn't He's look great back in the like preseason. A house of fire. I'm going to be honest. He didn't look great in the preseason. And I was worried about it. And people yeah. told me, stop worrying about him. I'm like, okay, but he's 32 and he's coming off a of surgery. And they were right because he is. Lights came on. He looks awesome. Yeah, he does. Um, so, you know, I don't know. The Blazers are a little fragile. I suspect they'll come back to earth a little bit, but they're also getting Gary Payton probably the next few days. So, yeah, well, and they've also, done all this on defense without him. That's a, I mean, that's a huge weapon for them to have back. You mentioned this real quick, Bontemps, but I, I do think that they might need another big on this team. Um, Nurkic's numbers are okay. Uh, and they signed him to a pretty significant contract in the offseason, but there have been times where he's let them down a little bit defensively. What did Jakob Pertle do against him the other night? Well, that's the thing. Jakob had 31. I think Brian, Brian's trying to trade Jakob Pertle to every goddamn team in the league. Every <laughs> podcast I turn on, he's on. He's like, oh, you know, Jakob Pertle is Celtics, Jakob Pertle the Listen, Blazers, Jakob Pertle he, everywhere. I mean, I'm just saying if the, the Spurs Warriors, want the if the Spurs want a chance at victory, they better trade Jakob, Pertle. Now, wait a minute. You just talked over him. Now you're saying Jakob Pertle, the Warriors, like just send him everywhere. I every, said every that the other the day. I talked. To, well, I'm just saying that's a guy who could really help a lot of teams. I understand. It's just funny. I, you've now traded. So hold on. I know. This I've week. talked <laughs> about. I, it's a fair assessment. I keep talking about Jakob Bertel, but so when he's I talked about him the other everywhere. day, and then he had 31. I mean, <laughs> I'm casting the freaking, you know, the freaking angel of death on all these teams. I'm talking about. They're falling like crazy. I did a feature on the Cavs last week. They haven't won since. Okay, so, so so Wendy wants to trade Jakob Pertle everywhere. I want to trade Eric Gordon everywhere, and Bontemps <laughs> wants to trade James Wiseman everywhere. <laughs> we'll see who who gets that done first. Well, well hopefully for hopefully think, for the Warriors' uh, sake, it's me. The difficulty for the Blazers in any sort of trade is that their first round picks are encumbered because mm-hmm. they made the deal to get Larry Nance from the Bulls and that Bulls Cavs marketing trade and their picks are encumbered so they do have some potential pieces to trade but they don't they're they're, they can't trade their pick so 
I don't know if, I, but I think I they would. They well could make that unpick that if they wanted to make trades, they could make that pick unprotected very easy. It's lottery protected. They could just do it unprotected this year and be done. If they wanted to risk though. That's a risk. So no, it is. But um, if they're if they're trying to make a trade like that, you'd assume they're in the playoffs and then they're going to give up true. the pick anyway. So that's true. Good analysis. All right, we've gone on long enough. Thank you, Bon Temps. Hope you uh, enjoy the rest of your birthday week. Thank you, McMahon. And uh, I got to go watch this this uh, thing that you guys did on Howdy Partners. Apparently, there was some <laughs> venom between the two of you. The whole world needs to watch it, baby. <laughs> um, thank you to Jackson, our producer. Oh, real Howdy quick. Oh, next hey. week. Oh, Wait, sorry. Sorry more. to cut you off. There's more. Sorry to cut you off. So next week <laughs> is Thanksgiving windy. week. As you know, things will are a little different on, on a holiday week. Last year, we did our first annual Friendsgiving. We came out for uh, with all of our folks got together and we had a fun time and we brought it out for everybody who wanted to travel, needed to travel over the holidays. So clear your podcast listening schedule. The second annual Friendsgiving will be out next week in time for your Thanksgiving travels. And we'll decide whether you two are going to be included. I'll I was going to say, I have no friends on, in our company. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> okay, but now, having said that, adios amigos. Thank you. <clears throat> ESPN Tournament Challenge is here. And guess what? I'm doing my bracket right now making picks, predicting upsets, winning my bracket group, and leaving my old life as a part-time voice actor behind. Hey, you never know. And if I can do it while recording this awesome commercial, you can too. Anyone can bracket. Download the ESPN Tournament Challenge app to play the number one bracket game. Presented by Allstate.